Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. There was a teenager who did not want to be seen in public with her mother because her mother's arms were terribly disfigured. One day when her mother took her out shopping, the mother reached out her hands to the cashier and the clerk saw her arms and the clerk looked terrified. Later that day, the girl took hold of, uh, uh, told her mother how embarrassed she was. Understandably hurt, the mother waited a while before going to her daughter's room to tell her for the first time what has really happened. This is what she told her daughter. When you were a baby, I woke up in the middle of the night and the house was on fire. Your room was an inferno. Flames were everywhere. I could have gotten out of the front door, but I decided I'd rather die with you than leaving you to die alone. I ran through the fire and wrapped my arms around you. Then I went back through the flames, my arms on fire. When I got outside on the lawn, the pain was agonizing, but, but, but I looked at you, and I could rejoice that the flames had not touched you. The girl was stunned. She looked at her mother, and weeping in shame and gratitude, She kissed her mother's disfigured hands and arms, and giving her mother a hug, she said, Mother, these are the most beautiful hands in the world. Laurel Beaver said, Motherhood is the ultimate reward and the ultimate sacrifice all in one breath. To all the mothers of our church, to all the mothers who are watching today, I want to say a respectful and sincere happy Mother's Day. Let's bow our heads. Gracious Father, we have come into your place this morning, this Sabbath morning, beautiful, crisp Sabbath morning to thank you, Lord, for everything you have done for us. Lord, I pray that you will be with us as we open your word to look at some portraits of motherhood and also to learn from our own mothers today. Lord, thank you that you have given us the mothers. They are the most precious and beautiful thing that ever happened to humanity besides Jesus. 
We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You know, Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. I pray and hope that you all are fighting the good faith and running the good race. You know, when you're running in a marathon, the last course of the race is very important. My friends, brothers and sisters, hang in there. Just a few more weeks, and we'll be together again. In the meantime, keep in touch. Keep yourself tuned to our emails and texts and everything we send your way to let you know what's going on and to let you know how things will develop as we are planning to get back together. The title of my message today is Inspiring Portraits of Motherhood. Many of you who like art have been to museums to look for portraits of different paintings. Today, we're going to look through the eyes of faith through four portraits of mothers in the Bible and then to several portraits of mothers of our own. So, if you would open with me your Bibles, because we will, we, will, we will start with the Bible first. And though we have four, I chose to, to begin and to end with the first mother of the Old Testament and to end with the first mother of the first uh, Testament, the Old uh, New Testament. So open with me to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. This is the first account in the Bible of a mother. It is Eve, the same one we blame for our condition. Interestingly, though, think about this. Not many pay tribute to her as the first mother and the mother of all mankind. See, Eve didn't have a rosy life, I would say. In fact, if you remember just the chapter before, she used to know what a perfect life was. All in peace and harmony. No, no suffering, no pain. But as she began to feel the, 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 the first birth pains, you can only imagine what went through her head. She is the first one to experience the curse of sin. The story of Eve, the story of the first mother, is the first story ever written. The first story ever told after the fall. 
And for both Adam and Eve, the birth pain was worth it. She is experiencing the love of a mother for her firstborn. Not sure how many mothers out there watching and those of you here that remember, remember what you felt after you gave birth to your firstborn. Yes, it was painful, yet it was scary. You were worried, you were exhausted, and you look at your little baby and say, it was all worth it. And Eve wasn't even assisted by a midwife or a doctor. It was all her and Adam. The first couple had their first child, and Eve becomes a mother. Interesting enough, the author of Genesis does not give us much details to the childhood of her, uh, her two boys. See, not too long after she gave birth to her firstborn, Eve became pregnant with Abel. And before you know it, in the same verse, in fact, Genesis 4, verse 2, we were told that these two boys were very different. So different in their understanding of God and serving God and worship and obedience and so on that the oldest can't stand his brother, his younger brother, and in anger kills his brother. And here we find Eve who first experienced the curse of sin at the birth, now she's experiencing the wages of sin, death. Eve is the first mother to have experienced the loss of a child. Having said that, Eve is not giving up. She did not lose hope. She gave birth to Seth, and she says, For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. Remember the first promise of the Bible found just a few verses above in Genesis 3.15? There, God says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Look at how Eve, how Eve named Seth. I highlighted it with red on the screen. He is the seed. It is through the lineage of Seth that Jesus was born. Fascinating. It is through Jesus, the seed that bruised the devil's head. It is through Seth's lineage that Jesus was born. And I would say, this is a fascinating story. Way to go, Eve. Thank you for not giving up. Jesus is the ultimate deliverer. But before the sinner deliverer was supposed to come, God had an 
anti-type or anti-type, a deliverer for his people out of Egypt. Moses, the deliverer of God's people, had a wonderful mother. Do you know who Moses' mother was? Jochebed? I hope I pronounced it right. Come close to it. Jochebed? She is married to Amram, a man of the house of Levi. The Israelites have been in Egypt now for hundreds of years. Joseph, who brought the entire family down there, was long gone. And now the Israelites were multiplying rapidly. And the Lord was blessing them abundantly. So much that they were prosperous in everyday life, in day-to-day life. And Egyptians, the Egyptians became afraid of them. And in order to stop the growth of the Jewish population, Pharaoh ordered that all Israelite male babies be killed as soon as they are born. Wow. What a tragic decree. Amram and Jochebed were faithful people. They were fearing God more than the government, and we're told that Jochebed took the matter into her hands. Being brave and courageous mother, she succeeded in hiding the baby boy for three months. Then she made a plan. She made a plan and trusted that God will take care of her child. She put her little baby Moses into a basket and placed that basket in or in the river Nile. Then she prayed. And she prayed ceaselessly. She never ceased to pray. And as a, as a response to those prayers, not only that Miriam was watching over the little baby Moses. In fact, Ellen White in her book, Petrarchs and Prophets, writing about this remarkable mother's story, she writes, angels, unseen angels, hovered above his lowly resting place. Angels also directed Pharaoh's daughter to find little baby Moses. And as the story goes, baby Moses is entrusted to his mother to be nursed and taken care of for the first 12 years of his life. Think about it. Pharaoh's daughter didn't even know about. (laughs) Isn't that fascinating? Fascinating story of a mother who is brave, who is courageous. She is a prayer warrior and she is an excellent educator. Think about that. She instructed this little boy everything he needed to know about the true God and about the reality of their oppression in Egypt so that when he later went to the Harvard of Egypt, he never, ever forgot what his mother uh, taught him. The time that Jochebed spent with Moses was most beneficial 
for his education. Wow! What a mother raising the deliverer of his people. Almost five, 1,500 years have passed since Moses. And the people of Israel is again under oppression. This time, double oppression. In fact, they've been in double oppression ever since the beginning. But now they knew it. They had the Roman oppression and even more oppressing the oppression of sin. Another deliverer with capital D, the ultimate deliverer, is just about to come. And in his wonderful divine plan, God assigned a prophet to proclaim the coming of Messiah. The problem was, the couple who's supposed to give birth to the child was getting old and not being able to bear children. The Bible tells us that this couple have been praying for years. Zechariah and Elizabeth kept on praying. However, Zechariah, even though he was a priest, he turns out to be going through the motions, not really believing. When the angel Gabriel comes with the good news that they're finally going to have a baby, he does not believe. Eventually, he goes home. Elizabeth, his wife, becomes pregnant with John. And she truly believes that her pregnancy is the result, is the answer of her prayers. When the time came, she gave birth to John, who later became not only the one who paved the road for the Messiah, but John actually baptized the Messiah. That's why we know him as John the Baptist. Can you imagine the thrill Elizabeth felt when she met Mary and they were both pregnant? And can you imagine how she felt when her son John baptized Jesus? This was indeed an answer to prayer. Unfortunately, John is thrown into prison and eventually killed by the king. And Elizabeth also gets to taste the bitter effects of sin. She, just like Eve, does experience the loss of her child to death. The good news is the end of sin, the victory over sin, was just about to happen through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. His mother... Well, she's well known to the world thanks to the commercialization of Christmas, right? Unlike Elizabeth, Mary did not pray to have a child. In fact, she wasn't even married yet, just engaged. And she is told by an angel of God that she's going to have a child. How would you feel to hear that news? But Mary was humble 
and accepted her role because her faith was already built on the one who created the world. She was already in submission to the almighty creator God when the angel came to her. And Mary becomes pregnant with Jesus. And when she gives birth to Jesus, probably in the most undesirable place of all, Mary becomes a mother. Mary took the heart of the words, uh, uh, Mary took to heart the words of the angel. And she not only took it seriously, but she believed that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. She almost has a heart attack after taking Jesus to the temple when he was 12. They couldn't find him for three days. Wow! Can you now imagine what went through her head? What did we just do? Did we lose the Messiah? How could that be? She found him engaged in deep theological conversations with the leaders of the church. And that is when her faith is truly sealed. She knows now that her boy is the Messiah. He is the one who can do anything and everything. He is the deliverer. And we see this mind frame in her attitude when at the wedding in Cana, when they ran out of grape juice, she immediately knows the solution. She goes to her son, Jesus. And she says, son, they have no more wine. She not only knows the solution, she demonstrates an even deeper faith and trust in what she believes Jesus to be. When she commands the servants, she says, whatever he says to you, do it. In other words, hey, watch out. He's going to do a miracle now. He knows how to do it. I expect him to do it. He will do it because he is the Messiah. She believed it. She knows Jesus is capable of doing this. Now, can you put yourself in her shoes now, 30 years after she saw the angel? Wow, this is really happening. It is real. My son is the Messiah. And later, she sees Jesus doing many miracles. He heals people. He, uh, he alleviates pain. He delivers even demons out of people. And he even calms the storm. Wow. My son is the Messiah. But her excitement, her elation, her ecstasy, I should say, is short-lived. She hears that he was arrested and sentenced to death by the governor, governor, and she powerlessly watches her son, the one whom she hoped to be the Messiah, she watches him being tortured and nailed to the cross. Now, can you imagine how she felt seeing all this? She must have been brokenhearted. 
John the disciple is entrusted with her care, and she is told that Joseph of Arimathea secured a burial place for Jesus. Mary, the mother of Jesus, she also sees the full course and cause of sin. She also experiences the loss of her son. In fact, if you really look at all these four portraits of motherhood from the Bible I just mentioned, three of the four lost their firstborn son to death. Eve lost Abel, Elizabeth lost John, and Mary lost Jesus. And think about this, Jochebed almost lost Moses. The experience of the mother is one that covers all spectrum of emotions. And all of them, all these emotions are tied up with one thread. And that's the love thread that only a mother can feel, can experience, and can express. I, there, there are hundreds of of motherhood portraits in the Bible. I just refer to a few. How about our mothers? How about looking at some of the portraits of motherhood in our modern times? Here in 2020, what impact did they have on your life? And I would like to take you to, to tell you some things that my mother did for me, if I don't get too emotional. Um, I know that my mother slept for six weeks on a chair next to my hospital bed when I was only 14-month-old baby. My mother passed to me the love for people and the gift of being in good terms with everyone. My mother passed to me the gift of ministry. I would not be here today if it wasn't for her prayers. In fact, Robert Brault said, if you, have, if you have a mom, there is nowhere you are likely to go where a prayer has not already been. My mother passed to me also the gift of music and singing. And my mother instilled in me the spirit of sacrifice. I remember when I first came to the United States, she worked, she was working four jobs so that me and brother would be able to go to school. My mother was and still is a faithful servant, a prayer warrior, a positive, kind, and graceful mother. That's the portrait of motherhood I have for my mother. And I'm going to turn, turn the time now to a few mothers here that we have here at uh, uh, Middletown and let them share their portrait of motherhood that they had themselves or they had a relationship with their mother. I'd like to begin by... <clears throat> wishing all the women of our church a happy Mother's Day on behalf of Women's Ministries. 
And we really wish that we could all be here together to celebrate you, but know that you are truly loved and you are a blessing to all of us. Personally, my mother is my rock. She's my best friend, and I don't know what I would do without her. And as a stepmother myself, I know that we all make mistakes, and our kids make mistakes, we make mistakes as mothers, but what never changes is how much we love them. And so I would like to wish all the mothers out there a very, very happy Mother's Day, and I hope you are blessed. Happy Sabbath, and I want to also um, echo Christy's sentiments of Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Um, I feel very privileged to be a mother and also to have a wonderful mother. Um, I'm one of the fortunate ones, blessed with a, a Christian mother, and because of her, I've never known life without Jesus. <laughs> and by her example, I learned what it means to love and to serve God. Um, I don't take for granted her tremendous influence over my life. And especially in the midst of my own trials and failures, her steadfast love and solid spiritual counsel has always exemplified Christ-likeness. Um, also, I've been influenced by observing godly motherhood in, in others in my family. I'm a good bit younger than my brother and my sister. So as a teen and young adult, I became an aunt to nieces and nephews, and I got a sneak peek into motherhood watching my sister and my sister-in-law raise their kids. And I remember marveling at the selfless love they displayed and how smart they seemed with it all. And um, I wondered, how do they, how do, they do this? Um, needless to say, I have sought their advice countless times over the years. I still do, actually, as I face the challenges of motherhood myself. And eventually, God blessed me with two boys of my own. What a blessing. Um, and my eyes were opened to this mystery called motherhood. Suddenly, nothing was more interesting to me than every single thing about my children. Nothing more important than protecting them. Caring for them day after day felt much more like joy than sacrifice. And now I wonder if I'll ever stop learning important spiritual lessons from motherhood. Each new phase of my children's lives brings with it different challenges and victories and milestones, and I grow and, I, and my faith is stretched, um, and especially now as these boys become men, I'm leaning on the Lord more than ever for encouragement, for wisdom, for patience. Uh, as you all, many of you know, motherhood is not easy. But after all, isn't the mother-child relationship really a beautiful re representation of God's vast love for us? I mean, think of it how lovingly God um, intricately formed each of us, as the psalmist says in Psalm 139, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. That was God doing that. And even before that, with all of God's creative power and vast domain, he thought of us. As we read in Psalm 8, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? Just as my own mother loved me while I was in her womb, and just as I was in love with my boys each before they were born, God loved me all the more when I was just a thought in his mind. And just as my own mother still wants to know everything about me, 
And just as I want to know every detail of my children's development, and just as I hope for good things for them, how much more interest does God take in me? How much more does he want good things for me? Just as my own mother longs to spend precious time with all her children, and just as I enjoy my boys' very presence and delight in their personalities, how much more does God want to really know me and have that same delightful fellowship? But what about all those failures and disappointments? I still get anxious about that sometimes. Then I remember motherhood and my children. Would I ever stop loving them because they make mistakes? Of course not. Nor would God ever stop loving me despite the many times I've caused him grief. We read in Micah chapter 7, Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever, but he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Hasn't my own mother accepted me just like that with all my shortcomings and loved me with deep compassion anyway? And don't I too love my children for who they are, seeing all the good and the potential in them, desiring to extend mercy and grace to help them become all God intended them to be? How much more does God see me that way? 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. I'm really grateful to be a child of God and have the same relationship. It's such joy and freedom in being assured that I have a Heavenly Father who loves me just as a mother loves her children. And now we're going to hear some more portraits from other members of Middletown. As I think of the effect that being a parent, a mother, has had on my spiritual life, there are several things that come to mind. You know, there was a time when I used to wonder why in the world God allowed mankind to have the gift of procreation when he knew they were going to fall and would just lead these little children into sinning against him. Well, once I became a parent, I felt the responsibility of raising that child of being an example to our children. And I soon learned that they want to do everything the parent does. If you do something wrong, they're going to take it to the next step. So it certainly impressed upon me the importance of being an example to our children. Another thing that I learned by being a mother was how badly we need God's guidance, certainly to raise our children, but also to keep us safe in this world. You know, children are born with a desire to explore their world. Everything is safe as far as they're concerned. They're just looking for fun. I remember one time when Tana was just 18 months old and we were in, living in Texas, I was working in the yard just outside the bedroom window. It was a low window and she would come to the window and watch me and then she would disappear for short periods of time. And I thought, well, you know, there's nothing she can get into. She's okay. Well, soon I noticed that the sleeve of her little outfit was wet, and I thought, where in this world can the child get into water? Well, I went inside and fell, found out very quickly that she had learned to stir in the toilet. <laughs> she saw nothing wrong with that. It was a perfect place to play. Just like sometimes we see things in the world and don't realize how dangerous they are to us. 
We need God's word. We need his Holy Spirit to guide us, to keep us safe. And we need to trust him when he says something is not good for us. I'm just thankful that God allowed me to become a mother and to have all the joy that we have had raising our daughters. As a single mother of two children, my faith has always been tested and stretched because I knew that I was not able to do anything of my own strength. Specifically, my decision to send my children to church school for their entire uh, elementary, middle, and high school educations was always a faith walk. I never knew or usually didn't know how I was going to pay not one but two tuition bills, but God always opened doors through my village of supporters. There was always anonymous money put on a school bill or people that would just hand me money every month or scholarships that came out of nowhere. And I know that it wasn't of my own strength. I was raised by a single mother myself, and so that's the only world I've ever known. But I can imagine when you have a two-income or a two-parent household that sometimes you can think that what you are doing is because you have each other. But because I never had that kind of co-parenting support, I always had to rely on my village of um, supporters, my biological family, my family that I chose, which is my friends, uh, sometimes my church family, or even co-workers and friends in the community. I've always had people around me who have helped me to parent my children. And when people call me a super mom or things like that, I always deflect um, that attention because I know that without my community of supporters, specifically the teachers who have taught my children through the years, my children would not be where they are today. So. I want to wish everybody a happy Mother's Day and keep on doing what you're doing because there is a light at the end of the tunnel, even though you never stop being a mother. Happy Mother's Day. Hi, I'm Vasti DeMello. For those of you that uh, don't know me yet, I'm Christy Roberts' mom. And I'd like to tell you a little bit about some women that have really inspired me in my life. Uh, my mom and my grandmother are the first ones that come to mind. They read their Bibles daily. I remember every day uh, whenever my grandmother was visiting, she always spent time reading her Bible and in prayer. Um, my mom had such an amazing knowledge of the Bible. She could quote Bible verses. She knew the people and the places in the Bible like nobody else I have ever met since. Um, the Lord blessed me with two wonderful girls. Uh, Kayla inspired me in how, how much faith she showed when facing death at a very young age. Uh, she was born with a, a rare form of cancer that caused her to be blind basically from birth. Um, and when the doctors told her uh, at age uh, 17 that uh, there was really no hope of recovery, I asked her specifically whether or not she was afraid of dying. and. Her response was, Mommy, why would I be afraid? The Bible says that death is like a sleep, like going to sleep. I'm not afraid to go to sleep. 
and just think. When I wake up, first person I'm going to see is Jesus and then you. To me, that, those words were some of the most inspiring words that in spite of everything that I may have done wrong, somehow she had developed this amazing faith. And then um, Chrissy, the courage that she has shown me in uh, facing coming into a family that's already made uh, with three teenagers and how she has uh, handled being a mother to these uh, kids. Well, they're not kids anymore, but uh, to me, it has just been such an inspiration to see how well she has handled um, being their mother. I know that each of us have our own uh, unique set of circumstances and I would just like to reassure all mothers that no matter what happens, the Lord is always there by your side. Be blessed. Hi, I'm Marianne Pitt. I had a wonderful mother and a wonderful grandmother. And I want to tell you a little bit about my grandmother, Nora Lee Stone Markham. She survived the 1918 Spanish flu. Uh, unfortunately, she lost her unborn baby and her husband during that time. My grandmother lived about five hours away from us when I was growing up. I knew that she had lost, you know, family members, but I never knew when and what time until recently. I always enjoyed being with her. She was such a lovely person, so kind and so sweet, and she loved Jesus too, and she would tell me so. And um, I can tell you a lot about my grandchildren. Let me tell you about my grandchildren. We always enjoy being together, and I just adore the time with them. And you know, I had thought, you know, for this Mother's Day, I thought, you know, that's the way Jesus is with us and our Heavenly Father. He enjoys being with us. He enjoys his time with us. And it's just a wonderful thing to know. Happy Mother's Day. Being a mom has been one of the most rewarding experiences of my life. When I was a little girl, I used to visit my grandmother a lot. She had a lot of influence on my life. She taught me all about Jesus. I knew that one day when I was grown and I was a mom, I wanted to teach my children all about Jesus as well. Today, I'm still a mom of two grown sons. I'm not only a mom, but I am a mother-in-law. I am a stepmom. I'm a grandmother of some little precious children. I hope one day that my sons can look back and say, Mom really had an influence on me. 
I hope they say that today. I hope that my grandchildren can say that as well. Special memories are great. Happy Mama's Day to all of you out there. Have a great day.